we had a great week. Hopefully, you've been reading in your Bible. Hopefully, you were shamed by Jeremy last week to be in your reading along with the rest of us. How many did that this week? We see an improvement, Jerm. Good job. All right. Well done. So, as you were looking, as you were going through your reading this week, Luke, in the Luke-Acts group, this week was kind of like, let's go here, let's look over here, let's look over here. And these, these different pericopes, you know what a pericope is, because I told you a couple of weeks ago, you remember what a pericope is? A section of scripture that's set aside and distinct from others. So you have Luke, in Luke-Acts, doing this, he's He's, he's talking about, well, he had the, the stoning of Stephen, and then everybody gets dispersed, and then Philip's out there with this eunuch, and then, you know, Peter's wandering around, and he does some amazing things, and then you see Paul's conversion, and then you have back to Peter doing something, and then, and then Paul doing other things. He's bouncing back and forth and back and forth. Well... I think that Luke in this area is trying to do a timeline. He's trying to be as things go. And so things are happening. So the last two sermons we've had have been basically presentations of the gospel. Presentations of Jesus being the Messiah. And we had Peter on the day of Pentecost. And he's kind of... You know, he's been really quiet and shy and scared and running. And all of a sudden, he's this bold, amazing guy. And he, he preaches to 3,000. And they all come to know Jesus. It's like, that was a pretty successful time. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination. Right? And so, then, you have Stephen giving a defense to the Sanhedrin. And he basically shares the gospel. And he gets them stoned. And so, it seemingly looks like that wasn't such a good gospel presentation but actually in hindsight because we have the scriptures that the stoning of Stephen launches a lot of things going on within the church it affects a young man named Saul who later on becomes Paul and then we have the church that just kind of hung around stuck out in Jerusalem because of the persecution they flee and they go into Samaria and they go into other parts of Judea and they go into places like Antioch and you have all these places where there wasn't the gospel and then there was and then we get to what our reading in last this week we get to acts chapter 10 and we have the story of peter and cornelius and so today if you have your bibles if you have your your book if you have i don't know your app on your phone go to acts chapter 10 and we're going to cover that today. In, in Acts chapter 10, let me, let me set the stage here first. Because of the dispersion of the Christians around, Peter, who is centered with the other apostles in Jerusalem, they're the only ones that stayed. And I think it's because they were filled with so much power and so much miraculous, nobody messed with them in Jerusalem. But, but Peter decides he's going to... Uh, Lida to 
encourage the believers. And then as he goes there, then he runs into some other people who say, hey, this really devout, wonderful lady, she died. And so she, he goes and he raises her from the dead. And I don't know about you, but I haven't done that as a Christian. But I think if, it, if I did, I'd sort of kind of be on a spiritual high. Oh, I remember Joe, he died, but I raised him. Woo! Actually, it was God who raised him. But, you know, Peter is, he's having, a, he's having a good week, okay? And so he ends up continuing in a place near where that happened to a place called Joppa. Now, Joppa is on the coast. I'll have a map in a few minutes. But uh, it's on the coast, and he stays with another guy named Simon. I mean, Peter is named Simon, and he becomes Peter. But And then he's staying with another guy named Simon. He's known as the tanner. And you know what a, a tanner is, right? This is someone who works with leather, works with dead animal skins, basically. And so um, Peter's not such a devout Jew that he doesn't stay with someone who touches dead animals. In, in the law, you're not supposed to... You become unclean if you touch anything dead. And so Simon the Tanner is is someone who does that. Would have to be ceremonially cleansed before he could go and visit the temple. But anyway, that being said, let's dive into Acts chapter 10. And I'll stop in a couple places, but let's let's go through it and let's let's look at that. Starting in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment, some of your translations, cohort. As he and all his family were devout and God-fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear, What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now let's stop right there. In this pericope, we are introduced to the first sort of main character in the story. And it's, it's a Roman citizen, not only a Roman citizen, a Roman soldier. And not only a Roman soldier, a Roman officer who is a centurion. But what we find out about this Cornelius is that... He's a follower of God. And not just any God. Not like, you know, most Romans were exposed to, you know, Jupiter and, and, and Hermes and, and all of the Roman gods. He has been exposed to in his time in the um, Italian cohorts in Judea to the God Yahweh. And he, that is the one with whom he is praying to. That is the one that he is giving to the poor because of. It says he's a devout man. He's a devout man to the right God. The God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? And so, 
One day in the afternoon, all you could see, he gets this crazy vision. And it's not just any vision because God reaches out to him and calls him by name. Whoa. I mean, there's, there's visions. There's a random vision. Well, did I see that? So the vision or the angel or God calls you by name. You don't look around, wait, me? No, it's me. And so Cornelius is told to um, search out. Search out a, um, a man named Simon, also surnamed Peter. Okay? Now, let's look at a map. If you want to know, you have the map. Oh, there it is! Okay, I got to try to get a simple map. So this is, this is where, you know, this is, the, this is Palestine, this is, the, this is the Mediterranean Sea. Now, um, the apostles have been centered here. He went to uh, Lydda to visit, encourage. Then he met and heard about um, Tabitha when he raised from the dead, also named Dorcas. But um, I like Tabitha. I mean, if I was a girl, I'd really be named Tabitha or Tabitha, not Dorcas. I'm, I'm just saying. Though I have been called a dork before. <laughs> Wait, did I say that in a sermon? Sorry. Anyway, um, and so he goes to Joppa. Joppa's here on the coast. Why is Joppa important? Well, it's a, it's a seafaring area. What we know about Joppa from the Old Testament, this is where we had a prophet named Jonah that when he was running from the Lord, this is where he hooked up, jumped on the ship, and headed off to Tarsus. So, anyway, so this is the... And um, Cornelius is up here in Caesarea. Now, Caesarea is sort of the area where the Romans hold um, government. This is where they are. They aren't meeting in Jerusalem. There's, there are Romans in Jerusalem, but the seat of government for the whole area of this province is Caesarea. In fact, um, they have done some excavations around Caesarea, and they have found, they have unearthed stones that have the name of Pontius Pilate on it. Wait, he actually existed? Isn't that just a story in the Bible? Wow, amazing. Yeah, so um, Peter's here, Cornelius is here. Cornelius gets the vision and he sends three guys south to find this guy, Peter. Simon, surname Peter. So let's continue on. Caesarea, um, where am I at? At about noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. 
While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. Okay, let's stop here too. The other main actor who we've seen before in the scriptures, Peter, is revealed to us. And the thing that's just interesting is that there's, a, there's that contrast. If you see, there's two visions taking place. There's the one with Cornelius and the one with Peter, right? Cornelius, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, gets this vision. Peter gets hungry and falls into a trance. That's happened to me a few times. But he has a vision, and God calls him by name. Except the vision that Peter sees, God tells him what to do, and what does Peter say? Okay, so Cornelius gets a vision from Yahweh, and immediately Cornelius obeys. Peter gets a vision, God tells him what to do, and Peter says, surely not, Lord. Not once, not twice, three times. Is that three times have any kind of significance? Hmm, I wonder. But while he's wondering about the vision, then it starts taking place. I mean, there's some, there's some guys here, and they're, they're looking for you. You should go with them. Now Peter's like, oh, okay, I'll go with them. But before he goes with them, they've traveled. And so this is late in the afternoon. So they stay overnight. This is hugely significant. These three men, one including a soldier, a Roman soldier, stays with Simon the Tanner and Simon Peter, the apostle, overnight in the same house. Now, you want to cause a stir among Orthodox Jews, have Gentiles stay in your house. That's just not to be done. And so we see there's, there's starting to be a little change in Peter, who at first, surely not, Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean, to, uh, why don't you come stay the night and we'll head out tomorrow. Something's going on in Peter's world here. So let's continue on. Next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. So we've got a crowd coming. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. And get this. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up and said, Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. 
While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Wait, is he getting this? Hey! So when I was sent, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? And then verses 30-33, Cornelius tells him the story of what happened to him. In verse 34, Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the man, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. There is so much impacted in this last section of chapter 10 that we need to look at. First of all, it's interesting. Remember that for the way things were going with the Jewish people or the Jews that became Christian who identified Jesus as Messiah, they would be baptized and then the Holy Spirit would come upon them and there would be some gifts. When Cornelius hears the words of Peter telling him about Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes before baptism. What what does that tell you? It tells that God doesn't operate in a box. He does it his way. It doesn't have to be a prescribed way of happening. Also, you know, the thing I love about I mean, Peter's been pretty wordy. I mean, throughout all the Gospels, you see him. He kind of speaks up, blah, 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 gets, you know, shoe and mouth disease, you know, and he just bumbles going. He does, he comes, he gives this fairly brief sermon here to the people of Cornelius. After traveling a couple of days, he only speaks, but what he has to say is super important. 
And these are things that I think you need to remember when you need to speak to people about Jesus. Let's look at a few of these. That Jesus was baptized in identification with humanity through John. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus went about doing good and healing, delivering those oppressed by the devil. These are Peter's, Peter's words. Jesus did, did this with the power of God because God was with him. Jesus did these things in the presence of eyewitnesses. We have proof. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was raised from the dead. Resurrected in view of many witnesses. Jesus commanded his followers to preach the message of who he is and what he did. Jesus is ordained by God to be judge of the entire world. And Jesus is the one that was foretold by the Old Testament prophets. You notice that the passage here, it says that the accompanying believers that, from Joppa that came up with him were astonished. The, the Jewish Christians were, that were present were amazed. They may have understood that God was now trying to, was starting to love the Gentiles. But who would have thought that God would fill the Gentiles with the Holy Spirit in the same manner and degree as he did the Jews? And Peter makes that point here. He says clearly, he says, that they received the Holy Spirit just as we have. I mean, not just any Christians, the apostles. They received the Holy Spirit just like the apostles. Is that everyone's equal in Christ? Absolutely. It was that God that loved and blessed the Gentiles just as he loved and blessed the Jews. And he did it while they were still Gentiles. Now, were these the first Gentiles to come to saving faith? I don't know. We talk about the, we see earlier Philip with the Ethiopian, but we believe the Ethiopian eunuch was probably a proselyte, someone who had accepted the Jewish faith first. That's what he was going to Jerusalem and it had the scriptures in hand. But these guys are clearly Gentiles. They are interested in the things of God but they aren't Jewish. They aren't proselytes. That's the reason why Peter makes the, the announcement, hey, you know, it's not really lawful for me to be in this house. Because they weren't, they hadn't taken on the Jewish faith before they could become Christians. They just took on the faith, the Christian faith. That was the difference. And that's significant. The, this entrance of Gentiles into the church, first of all, you have to know that wasn't a new plan of God. That didn't just happen. Remember the, the prophecies about Jesus and the things that Jesus said, he were anticipating that the whole world would have a chance to know and have acceptance before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Let's look at a few scriptures here. Since we're in the Christmas season, let's look at a little bit of Isaiah. Isaiah 60, 1 and 3. 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and the thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. I'll repeat that. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. This is talking. Isaiah is talking about nations other than Israel. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. When God is talking to Abraham, or at the time, Abram, right? He gives him a promise. He says in uh, chapter 12, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. When Jesus is speaking during his earthly ministry, there's a couple places where Jesus alluded to this in his uh, talking of him being the good shepherd. He says in John 10, 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Isn't that significant? They too will listen to my voice. What's Cornelius doing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? He gets this vision. And God calls out to him by name. And Cornelius listens to the voice. That's the fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus made. He says it and he's speaking to everybody. There's other sheep from another pen. And they must come. This is happening right now through Cornelius. In John 12, 32, Jesus is speaking. He says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And we all know that all means all. Remember the first Gentile that Jesus dealt with during his early ministry? Oddly enough, he was a Roman centurion as well. In Matthew 8, starting in verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then Jesus says this, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And it's it's starting to be completed right now with Cornelius. 
And, and Peter may not have been as willing, but after the vision, he is willing. And from his eyewitness account of being with Cornelius, he realizes that the gift of the Holy Spirit, the saving power of Jesus, is for all men, for all humanity. When Christ died, he died for all. And so that is an important aspect So, okay, we read Acts 10 together today. Big stinking deal, right? What does this mean? What does this mean for us? What does Acts 10 launch you into what you should be doing? Listen, I've said this so many times, you guys will probably repeat with me. But I think we should read Scripture, and every time we read Scripture, it should change us. It should have us step out a little bit stronger, a little bit better, a little bit cutting off those rough edges. So, what does Acts chapter 10 have to do with us? I have a question for you. Is there anyone, anyone, that doesn't deserve the gospel, to hear the gospel? Is there anyone? Okay, you guys, I see a lot of heads. No, no. Well, I'm glad you agree. But how is that going to change your life? Because, listen, I personally, I can, I can go anywhere. I can go into the grocery store. I can be working. I can do things. And I will pick out who is receptive to the gospel and who's not. In my own mind. And I determine, oh, I need to share the gospel with this person. But this person, he'd never take it. She'd never take it. Nah. Okay, who's, who's doing that? That's me. That's not God. Who are we dismissing in our life that needs to be convicted by the Holy Spirit? Because if you did not hear from the testimonies, from the worship, and it wasn't planned, it's just God working... Who is God identifying to you to be sharing the gospel with? Because he is. Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Peter's out encouraging, sharing, encouraging Christians, and then he gets called to Joppa, and the next thing you know, he's in some guy's house. And you might say, okay, okay, good, that's great. God told him to do it. I mean, wouldn't that be kind of great if you were like Peter and you get this little vision from God that says, there's a guy uh, at Manal and Arvada. He's at, he's, he's at, you know, 2307, and he wants to hear from you, and I've talked to him. I've prepped him. You just need to go and share the gospel. <laughs> Woohoo! I got this one. Yeah, baby. Right? But you're already where God wants you. Wait, you think you live at your house and that's a coincidence? Do you, you think the place where you work is God said, Oh, I didn't know you were at Sandia. How am I? 
It's all planned. And there are opportunities for you to share your faith. To share the gospel. To share the good news. Coworkers, neighbors. Here's one that we dismiss a lot. Family members. How about the person that you kind of think of as an enemy? Why not share the gospel with them? Then they may not be an enemy. And if they, if they choose Jesus, yeah, they really can't be an enemy, right? Listen, I, I want to end today by telling you I've, I've discovered something that's just really been impacting my life. Um, Paul and Brenda Kenderdine introduced me to, turned me on to this little small book called God Guides. And it's about this uh, missionary, older lady looks like, um, to India. And there's, there's stories, amazing stories where she prayed to God, just listened, waited for some direction, and she told God, if you tell me, what to, if you tell me to do something, I will immediately obey. I'll immediately obey. So Barbara and I sat at our hearth by our fire, and we prayed a prayer. Said, God, I'll. You speak to me, I will obey. Which is kind of scary. I mean, it's really kind of scary. I mean, I know all of us think, well, if God wrote in the sky, He told me what to do, I would do it. Really? Because we have a whole Bible <laughs> of God speaking to people, they go, eh, you got anything else? And so, I didn't take this with. With any kind of, let's just say I was sober-minded. Okay, God, I'll do. That night, I had a dream. And I haven't had a dream in a, a long time. So I, was this a coincidence? <laughs> was it bad pizza? I'm telling you, this pray. Praying to God and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. And he told me what to do. And I'm in the midst of doing it. In fact, I acted out on faith and did some things before, just assuming it was going to happen. And I'll tell you the story someday because it's not finished. It's not finished, but I'm stepping out in faith. And um, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Let me tell you one more thing about this, about sharing your faith, about sharing the gospel with people. You're not asked, you are not asked to be successful at it. You're asked to be faithful. You sharing the gospel, there are going to be people that are going to laugh you in the face. There are going to be people that punch you in the nose. There are going to be people that say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. But that's not on you. It's not on you. Because when someone comes to Jesus, that's not on you either. That's on the Holy Spirit. Changing their life. Convicting them of sin. Stepping out, knowing that I'm a sinner. I'm worthless. I'm deserving of the ultimate death 
Would you say, excuse me, I've got some good news. Jesus, who was God, came down to earth, died and rose again to prove he was God. And guess what? All of your sins are covered. You get out of hell free because of what Jesus did. And there will be some people that are receptive. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? If it's been a while, then it's been too long. It's been too long. So I want you to do something this week. I know you're like, oh great, here we go. Among reading this during the week, I want you to take some time and say, God, who do you want me to share this good news with? I'm ready. You know I'm going to do it imperfectly. You know I'm going to say something stupid. You know, but give me somebody that you want me to share Jesus with this week. And I will wait. And if you give me that name, I will do it. I know, kind of scary. But what a difference that would make this Christmas season. If you know you're doing, if you're going about your father's business. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't about these testimonies? I mean, like Taylor, hey! Who was the people that said, you know what, Muslims can't come to faith in Jesus? Who were the people that passed by a hundred times and they said, ugh, He's a Muslim, so he would never know. He would never want to be Jesus. But you know what? A bunch of these crazy kids in the international society, and it's like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And we got people in Jordan now that are followers of Jesus Christ. What? Guys, I love you. And I want you to live a life fulfilled and fulfilling your mandate as a Christian. So stand with me, please. Okay, I'm going to ask you something. It's accountability. Who's going to pray that prayer this week? Dude! That's awesome. And I can't even see the people over in that are on live. By the way, if you're listening to this and it's in the afternoon, in the evening, you need to watch it live with us. Act like you're going to church even if you're not in church. All right. I'm going to pray over you because you're going to pray. Father God, I come before you. I just thank you and praise you for the faithfulness of this community we call Heights Christian Church. Lord, you know that I love them, that I care about them, and that I want for them sometimes more than they want for themselves. Father God, there are going to be some people from Heights that are going to be praying to you this week. Father God, it is my prayer, and I beseech you, Lord, that you will answer their prayers boldly 
that your Holy Spirit will move miraculously. Charge them up. Allow them to share this great news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And change the destiny of people in this world who are destined for hell. But they are going to go to heaven because of our faithful witness. Help us, Lord. Help us to do that. Help them. Guide them. Direct them. Just like you did Cornelius and Peter. Your miracles still happen, Lord. I know they do. I'm grateful. Do a mighty work. Not because of who I am, Lord, but because of who you are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.